Because the Lord has promised, if you know and understand the season that you are in, revival will come to your land. And, and you know, we can either take that as a, that's nice, or we can believe it and get behind it and go for it with all the passion that he's put in us. And that's what we're intending to do. And one of the things that we're also doing is looking to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And I know we didn't get to share this this morning, but Lynn, Lynn Short, has had over this season a real sense that we should go and stand on the different east, south, west, north parts of our town and actually pray over our town. And on Wednesday, she's going to be going and leading a small party to go and do that. Hopefully a bigger party, if you can come and join with her. At 11 o'clock, she's starting here. And we're going to go to different places and we're just going to pray over our town. And we're going to take some of the words that God has given for our town to us over this season. And we're just going to say, Lord, you said. And we're going to call for heaven to come and invade our town. And if you want to be part of that, I know the timings of this may not always work for everybody. But even if you're not there, pray for our town. Pray for God to break out and make a difference. So I'm excited. 168 hours. Wow. Isn't that amazing? We get the privilege of doing that. Right, let's, uh, let's get into God's Word. Today we are beginning a brand new series, which we're calling In Revival Culture. And we're going to be looking at what it means to live in the promises and power of God coming to us as his people. And actually, the way he comes to us in this time is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to be looking at the promises and presence. We're going to be looking at how he comes and breaks out amongst us and how we respond to that. I know we think of revival as being a season, but revival is so much more than that. It's an expectation that God will invade the earth again with his power and his glory. And therefore, it has to be something that we don't just kind of embrace from a distance, but we embrace it full on. It's a promise for us to live by. And actually, it should become a lifestyle for us. Not just something that we experience, but something that we live in the good of as a lifestyle. And at the heart of revival is God himself. God, who is creator He's the one that set it all going. He's the one that sustains it. Do you know what? The reason you're here today is because he sustains you and he sustains this world. But he's also the one who will complete it. He's the first and he's the last. He will wrap it all up. And in him, revival is released powerfully for his glory. And it's a revelation of him. And it brings us into a fresh encounter with him so that we know fully who he is. And we're going to begin looking at how the Holy Spirit revives our relationship with God himself, because that's the most important thing that happens. And then from that place, how we get to live in the good of it. And so today, I'm going to just kick us off with a very small subject, God the Father. God the Father. You know, all of these could be a whole series in themselves. But we just want to let the Holy Spirit revive these things in us again so that we are stirred to go for him and his glory.
One of the things that sometimes I know people say is that, well, revival means that we're going to do loads and loads of new things. Well, do you know what? We do get to do some new things. When God comes amongst us, many new things are birthed. But let me also tell you this, that when revival comes, often it's doing things that we have done before in a new way. It's not changing everything. It's actually changing us and changing the way that we do things. And so we believe that it's not by might nor by power, but it is by his spirit. And so some of the things that we get to do, we're going to do differently. That's why even the way that we pray, I trust this week, we'll do it differently because the Holy Spirit is being creative in us and releasing us with new faith. So let's just read some words from Romans chapter 8 as we think about this amazing subject of God the Father. So Romans chapter 8, verse 12 to 17. I am not going to do justice to this amazing passage today. We're just going to really dip into a couple of verses from it, but so important to us. Verse 12 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Oh, God, will you please help me? Yeah. Holy Spirit, will you please just reveal the Father to us again today? Holy Spirit, will you come and be welcomed into every heart here today, sat before you, standing before you? I pray, Lord, that we would get a fresh revelation of your glory and who you are as our amazing Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just want to ask you a simple question. What is a Christian? What is a Christian? I guess there are many, many answers to that. We can answer it on all sorts of levels. Perhaps the simplest is a follower of Jesus Christ. But I believe the New Testament's highest revelation of a Christian is this. Someone who knows intimately God as their father. That is the highest revelation, I believe, in the scriptures of what a Christian is. Yes, someone that has been saved powerfully, as we've celebrated today, 
by the sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we have, to use the old phrase, we've been washed clean in the blood of Jesus. His body was broken so that we might not be broken and judged, that we would come out of that place of sin and guilt. And as we trust in him, we are made alive. That's where it starts. But it doesn't end there. As wonderful as that is, it then takes us deeper into something that the Bible speaks of as our adoption as sons of God. And by the way, when I use that phrase sons, I'm also meaning that that includes both men and women. Sons and daughters are adopted into the family of God. God loves us and he's made us clean, but he's also brought us close. That's amazing. And some would say, well, hold on a second, Richard. I thought all people were God's children. Well, do you know what? I want to say this. That's not the way the Bible defines it. We are all created by him in his image. Our origins come from him, his creator. But it is only those who believe on the name of Jesus Christ, who've been washed clean of their sin by trusting in the saviour that we've celebrated today. Trusting in his saving death and his resurrection. It's only those who've trusted in him who then get adopted into the family of God and who become then children of God with all the rights of the kingdom of God. So my friends, not everybody is a child of God. Everyone can be a child of God, but not everybody is. Because there is a response of faith that we have to make to what he has done. The danger is that we can declare truths that Jesus died for our sins and we can think, okay, I'm covered. No, 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 no. He's died so that you can be covered, but you need to take this by faith. And likewise, for you to come into his family, you need to take this by faith and know that he's your father. This is how the gospel writer John puts it. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Hallelujah. We get the right to become children of God by receiving Christ, believing in him and trusting in him. And Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. But you know, here's the wonder. When we are born again, hallelujah, we are adopted into the family of God. We are to know intimately and personally God as our Father. Not as a distant, cold, hard taskmaster who uses us reluctantly for his purposes. Do you think that God looks at you and thinks, oh no, not them again today. I've got to use them today. God, where's the A-team? You know, 
Do you think God looks at you like that? Some of you feel like that. Some of you think, why would God want to use me? Because he loves you. Because he's a good, good father who wants to bring you close. Who wants to reveal to you his goodness and his kindness. And he doesn't see you as a lesser son. He sees you as a great son in his kingdom. And that's a son and a daughter, by the way. It's an amazing thing when you come close to the father. But you know, I want to ask you, do you know God this way? Do you know him, not just as the God who has saved you? We've sung that, Hosanna, Hosanna. You are the God who saves us. Yeah, we can know him that way. I want to ask you the question. I don't want you to give me just Christian just responses. I want you to know the truth of this. Do you know God as Father? As Father. As a good, good Father. I know that this is the place where some of you start to get into trouble. You see, I, I, I've got to be honest with you, I, I had a pretty good dad. I still have a pretty good dad. Praise the Lord. You know, my dad did the best he could. He, he, his father um, went off to war when he was three. He got captured by the Germans and wasn't released until after the war. So during the formative years of my dad's childhood, his dad wasn't there. His dad came back for about six years and then he died of a serious disease. My dad never fully understood fatherhood. And yet, God met with him. And do you know what? My dad's been a pretty good dad. And there's been so much about my dad that I'm grateful for. So much that I give thanks for. He's a, he's a, he's a dad that loves me. He's a dad that prays for me. He's a dad that embraces me. It took him some time to know how to do that. He was born up in an era where you didn't embrace, but he's learned to embrace me. And, you know, I'm grateful. I have many moments that I can thank God for. Some of you can't think of a dad like that. Some of you think of a dad that's absent. Some of you think of a dad that was never there for you. A dad that was abusive towards you. A dad that was an alcoholic. A dad that kind of ran out on you and rejected you. And maybe you're thinking, I, I, can't, I can't get this dad thing. Listen, the truth is, it doesn't matter whether we've had a good dad here or a bad dad here, they're never perfect dads. This is the reality. We've never had in our human experience the revelation of a perfect dad in our own fathers, whatever they are. But you know what it does? It reveals something in our heart that we are longing for a perfect dad. We're longing for the kind of dad that even when we have rebelled, he never gives up on us. We're looking for the perfect dad who, even though we are doing the most ridiculous and stupid and sinful and disobedient things, he's always looking out and saying, come on home, come on home. And when he sees us take one step in the direction, there's a beautiful parable, isn't there, that Jesus tells about a son that came to his senses having rebelled against the father. And it says, when the father saw him from a long way off, he ran 
to the son who had rebelled. And Jesus was painting a picture of this perfect father who's always looking out for us, always looking for us to come back to him and makes it as easy. And actually, he confronts us with what we are, but he never holds us at bay. And I love the fact that in that parable that Jesus told of the father that welcomes his son back, when he's a long way off, he comes and runs to him, becomes undignified as a father to embrace his son. He gets the best robe and he puts it on this dirty, stinking, smelling son and covers his shame and puts a ring on his finger and says, you're part of the family, you belong here. And then he says, let's have a party. Let's kill the fattened calf. Let's actually celebrate because this son of mine who was lost is now found. He was dead, but he's now alive. That's the perfect father that we long for. And that is the father that Jesus came to reveal to us. What was the ministry that Jesus brought ultimately? It was to reveal the father to orphans. All of us have been separated from the God who made us. We're orphans. And yet Jesus made a way for us to know a father again beyond any father that we've had. And I, I just want to say this to those of you who are still struggling with this whole thing about father. I want to ask you to do something I want to ask you to surrender the right to continue to be a victim about what happened to you in your own situation. I'm not saying it wasn't painful. I'm not saying it's not valid. You know, you just need to come and surrender it to the cross. You need to come and put it down and say, Lord, I give up the right to be a victim. Because Jesus died so that you wouldn't stay a victim, but that you would become a child of the living God. We live in a society where it's fashionable to be victims. I don't mean this unkindly, but you know, we see it in social media. Me too, happened to me. This is my story. This is what happened. And it almost becomes a badge of pride. And because we've been a victim, we now get the right to be affirmed. Look, I'm all about affirmation. I'm all about us dealing with people who have been wronged and putting that right as best as we can. But that can never, ever be our identity. Our identity has to be now in Jesus Christ. And it has to be, I'm no longer a victim. I'm no longer a slave. But I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I refuse now to live, as we just read, under that spirit of fear that holds me in that place. I am now, through the Holy Spirit, declared to be a child of God. And I cry, Abba, Father. By the way, my notes have gone. The radical thing about what Jesus did when he started to call God Father, it, it broke every precedent of the day. It was radical. There's nothing anywhere, nothing anywhere 
that you can find like it. And Jesus taught us to cry, Abba. When you pray, say, Abba, our Father. Listen, Abba is not a pop group, for those of you who still remember that. Abba was an Aramaic informal term of endearment for father. It was what a young child would say towards their father. In fact, they continued to say it right the way through into adulthood, right up into, into their kind of late years. They would still refer to their father as Abba. But it, it's not a formal thing. It's, it's, it's an intimate thing. And Jesus was saying, look, I know God has been revealed to you in the Old Testament as the great I am. I am who I am. I am Yahweh, the God who will be what he will be. This holy God, this great one. And you might think that you have to be careful coming close to him. But let me tell you, I've come so that now you can come close to this holy one. That in the Old Testament, you couldn't see his face. But now in Jesus me, you can see his face. And you can come close and you can know him. And guess what? You can call him Abba, Father. How many of you call your dad Father? I don't call my dad Father. I don't go, Father. Father, can I have a chat with you? How many? Maybe some of you do. I don't want to knock that if you do. But actually, I say, Dad, or sometimes Pops, or Daddy. I don't say Dad anymore. But you know, we have terms of endearment for our dad. And what Jesus was teaching us is that this is a, this is a term of endearment. This is a term of affection. This is a term where we, we get to be the closest we can be to our Father God. Oh my church, come on, we've got to get this. This is the foundation. This is, the, this is what the Holy Spirit releases in us when he comes again in revival. He, he releases not just power, not just holiness, not just a need to repent, not just miracle signs and wonders. Do you know, I want more and more of the stories that we had from Vera and many others. We've seen some other people healed this week as well. We're praising God for that. We're wanting to see salvations. We're wanting all that stuff. But as well as the power, he also brings the intimacy he brings the closeness. And I just want you to embrace this. There are many people who know this. Some of you have been, you've been children of God, shall I use that term, for many, many years. But you've never fully grasped what it means to know God as your father. You are still living. Sometimes what we call with an orphan spirit. Heather and Jonathan are just about to adopt some children. It's an amazing thing, isn't it, when we get the privilege of adopting children. We get to choose children. We do. We get to choose and we, we get to show love on them. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a known fact that children that have come from a, a broken place, maybe from orphanages. I've read stories of people that have been adopted out of some horrible places in, in different parts of the world. And when they're brought into a family, the first time they have a meal the first thing they do is they nick all the food off the, off the table and they put it on their plate because they're afraid. They're afraid that they might not get another meal and so therefore they've got to cling on to it and they hold on to this food and they, no, mine, mine. 
And it takes a season sometimes to say, look, you're going to get fed today. And guess what? You're going to get fed in a few hours. And you're going to get fed again. And you're going to have all the provision that you need. And you don't need to grasp for it anymore because you've got us and you've got everything that you need. And yet there are some Christians who live just like those orphans who think that somehow I've got to, I've got to show him, God, I'm here. Don't pass me by. Sometimes we, we struggle. Let me give you some examples of how we struggle with this. When somebody else is recognized, somebody else gets you know, stood up the front or somebody gets praised, we struggle with that because we wish it was us. Sometimes when we hear about other people who have been successful in ministry, other churches that are prospering, sometimes we, we find it really difficult to accept other people in the room because they seem to be more popular than us. God, break that orphan spirit off us. You do not need to live that way anymore. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has come into you. It says in Romans 5, 5, that the Holy Spirit has poured out the love of God into our hearts. It means that we no longer just know the details, the theology, what we've celebrated today, but we know the experience of being accepted and loved by a God who's never going to turn his back on us. It says in Romans 8.15 that we did not receive a spirit that makes us again slaves to fear. But we received the spirit of adoption. And by him we cry, Abba Father. And it is the spirit of the Lord put into us that allows us not just to know this in our head, but to feel it and to, yes, emotionally engage with it in our hearts. Some of you are God's chosen frozen. God wants to melt the ice. He wants to melt the distance between you and him and bring you close. And he wants to call out in you, you're mine. And he wants our hearts to be awakened. Awakened so that we say, Abba, Father. Dear Daddy, Pops, I love you. I just want you to know, I just want to encourage you. I don't know what you felt this morning. I'm just going to ask an honest question about how we worship today. I want to ask you the question, what was going on in your heart as we did that? Because I reckon there'll be some of you be thinking, do you know what, I love that. Oh, yeah, great. That others of you be thinking, man, I can't get into this. Others of you thinking, oh gosh, is this where we're going to go? Others of you, oh, take it or leave it. I want you to know that one of the reasons why God gives us worship and praise and song is so that we can express the Abba Father cry in our hearts.
What do I mean by that? It means that it doesn't matter what style it is. It doesn't matter what you're able to, to raise as a note with your voice. And some of us, you know, we, we, I realized this week I'm not as young as I used to be. I can't sing the high notes. <laughs> I can sing the low notes. But the high notes, no more. But you know what? It doesn't matter what screech I make. It's the cry of my heart that is important. And I want to say to you that irrespective of what was going on for you with the style or whatever, if there was that cry of, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Father. Holy Spirit, welcome. And there was that delight in your heart. You entered into that. And you know, we don't even need to sing the words. <laughs> we can just let the overflow of our heart come out. That's is the Holy Spirit testifying with your spirit that you are a child of God. I want to encourage you with that. I want to encourage you with that because sometimes we think, how do I know? Well, if you want to give praise to, to the Lord, you want to lift up your voice, you want to say, Father, I love you. That's the Abba cry. I just want to finish with this. The reason that this is so important for us. This is why the Holy Spirit makes us, makes us children, makes us aware of our Father, is because our job now is to represent the Father, to represent him, to represent him to the world around. You see, Jesus taught us to pray, didn't he? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come the kingdom is the kingdom of the father do you get that our father who art in heaven your kingdom come and Jesus said as the father has sent me so I now send you we get to represent the father to the world round about us we go in his name, and his name gives us authority. We go with his character, the character which is good, much better than what you think he is. Outrageously good, outrageously loving, kind, compassionate, full of grace, never turning anyone away. He's so much better. And you know what? God is fed up of being misrepresented. <laughs> You know, we, talk, we use the phrase, don't we, taking God's name in vain. And often we used to think about that as being using Jesus or God as a swear word or an expletive. Now, actually, let me tell you what it really means. It means when we, we misrepresent him in the way that we live. That's taking his name in vain. And so when we go now with the name of the Father, yes, and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we present a true picture of our heavenly Father to the world roundabout. It means we love the unlovely. We embrace those that are on the fringe. We do not hate people. We do not hate the things that the world hates. We show a loving Father. And we also go in the power of the Father. That's what we get to demonstrate with miracles, signs and wonders. It's what the Holy Spirit brings. And so when we get our identity with the Father, 
it releases us to do all the other things that we get to do here on the earth. That's why it's the foundation. That's why we need to get this church. If you get this, it will change everything. I think we're going to stop there. I'm going to invite you to stand up. I'm going to pray. Can I just get the band up here, please? Is that okay? I'd love us to sing, He's a Good, Good Father. I'd love us to sing that. Is that okay if we can get that ready? I just want to give some space. I I just feel so, so compelled right now that some of you need a fresh revelation of your Father God. He doesn't want you just to know this. He wants you to experience this alongside all the truth of his word. You know, truth is good. We need truth. It's a foundation. He wants you to have good theology. He wants you to logically work it out that this is okay. But he also wants to embrace you. Do you know, I, I can tell my children, I love being a dad, by the way, I can tell my children, I can tell them all sorts of things. I can tell them even that I love them. But you know, the sweetest thing that I get to do is to embrace them. And I just feel right now that the Father wants to reveal deep into your hearts just how much he loves you. How deep the Father's love for us. It's beyond any measure. I just want to pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would pour a revelation of Father God into the heart of everyone here today. I want to pray, Lord Jesus, just as we wait, that where people who would say they're children of God, but are living really as orphans, I want to ask in the name of Jesus that you would break that orphan spirit off them. I want to pray, Lord Jesus, where people don't even get what it is, this fatherhood thing. Lord, I want to pray that you'd reveal your fatherhood to them today. I pray that you would show that you are a good, good father in every way. I want to pray, Lord Jesus, where they've been hurt, where they've been abused, where they've they've known pain. I want to pray, Lord, set them free. I want to pray, Lord Jesus, that people would, even in this moment, would just give up that right to be a victim. If that's you, I'm I'm not belittling anything of that at all. I'm not saying this is a small thing, but it is possible for you to get freedom even today. I just want to invite you to come and just say to the Father, I give up my right to be offended and victimized by this. And I surrender to your goodness. And I surrender to your new identity. I will be defined now by your fatherhood. I will take your name. I will take your family. And I will belong to you. And if that's you, I just want to invite you right now just to do some moments with the Lord. I'm going to do this. I'm not backing off on this one. I just think there's some people here today who need to come home to Father. And I'm going to ask you to do it very publicly. I'm not going to ask you to hide in the crowd. 
Jesus, when he gave opportunities for people to follow, he said, come on, do it publicly. You don't do it in a, in a hidden way. If you need to come home to the Father today, you know that you've been in a place where you've been far away from him and you want to come home to him. I'm going to invite you right now to come to the front, right now. Come and stand here right at the front. I'm just going to invite you to come. Come on. I know there's some of you here that just need to come home to the Father. Do you know what? This is an amazing moment. He's looking for you. He's waiting for you. He said, come on, come home. This is a moment where you can put your hand into the hand of your heavenly Father through Jesus, through believing in what he's done. You can do that. This is for you. I'm inviting you. This is an invitation from the Father. It's a love thing. He wants to bring you home. Come on. Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you for what you've done even this morning in so many different ways. I want to pray right now that you would continue to pour out your spirit on us. Lord, as we begin this week of prayer, I want to pray that you would release a mighty move of your spirit upon us as a church, upon, upon the church in this town, and indeed upon this nation as we pray. I want to pray, Lord, that this town will be transformed with the good news of Jesus. I want to pray there will be thousands that come into a revelation of God as their Father. I pray for revival to break out in our land again and for our nation to be returned and restored to you. Jesus, I pray, have mercy upon us as we pray. Strengthen us. Bring us your power and your breakthrough, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're just going to finish as we sing this song together. If you want to come and stand at the front, just as a way of responding to that, come and join me. Because we want to sing, He's a good, good Father.